Hey everybody, welcome to the Ask LC Podcast. My name's Harrison, good to be with y'all. Hey, Mike Moses here, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Good to be with you all, and you, Harrison. Uh, today's to podcast, uh, our primary subject will be uh, the history of church planting through Lake Forest Church. There are some kin, kin folk churches around the Charlotte metro area that you wouldn't know about that aren't in the Lake Forest family of churches, but we actually planted them. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to talk briefly about our uh, why, where does the baby church come from? Um, why is that? What's the point of it? And why is it so important to Lake Forest? Uh, but I'll mostly illustrate that through our our journey these years of different churches we have planted and, and where we're headed. Fantastic. But before we get to that first, we wanted to catch y'all up on a couple things. First of all, um, <clears throat> we are sitting down to record this on a Thursday morning and we are fresh off of about 14 hours removed from finishing up uh, a worship night right here uh, on campus last night. And I just wanted to, yeah. if if you were there, you know all this already, you can bear with. But mainly, I just want to share with those mm. of you who, uh, for one reason or another, um, s- scheduling calendar, forgot, uh, whatever, um, man, you missed just an awesome night of us joining together and just, uh, just seeking, uh, to worship and, and inviting yeah. the Holy spirit to fill us in our worship. Harrison, it was a l- oddly difficult for me to come into work this morning and resume my normal activity, my normal church leadership activities. I, I needed to write a budgeting email and an annual reviews email to get some meetings on the calendar for next week. And it was really, it was odd because I, although I didn't, I haven't eaten any food since I left here at 830 last night when the, it was over and I finished talking to people uh, up until right this minute, because I generally skip breakfast, but I am full. Mm-hmm. I am so full uh, of, I'm not sure what to say. Um, but I just feel filled up by the grace of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from that hour and a half we spent in. Yeah. Oh, it was total prayer and praise. We simplified it this mm-hmm. time. Yeah, and I, I <clears throat> we've talked about on the podcast a number of times over years of doing this, Mike, but I think I know for you as well, um, one of my favorite things about getting to do what we do is just that that awesome feeling of, um, standing from the perspective that we get to see on the stage, looking mm-hmm. out and just seeing um, this group of people absolutely unified together yeah. uh, in their worship. And there's just something yeah. so powerful about um, and deeply scriptural about just the presence mm-hmm. of God that you feel as we gather as believers that are unified in this purpose of just chasing. So it was, I saw something different last night than a typical Sunday morning when I dismissed folks. And I said, you can linger. Mm -hmm. There's more time for prayer. If you like the band's going to play a little bit more. Yeah. Um, the uh, Sunday morning, when we say that (laughs) people are racing each other to the door and for good reasons, they have to pick up kids and all that. Um, and we need their parking space, but, (laughs) Um, last night was the opposite of that. I just saw multiple people just kind of standing there basking mm-hmm. in their own encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um, actually, it was at the—and many of the people who wanted to linger in that 
in that presence expressed it by then a lot of them spent a little time at that prayer table that we had set up um just lighting a candle Hmm. just kind of a little bit uh, of i don't know kind of a, a long gentle uh goodbye to that to meeting in the presence of God with the people of God. It was it was a sweet time. It was my favorite one of our worship nights thus far. I think we're moving toward making that a normal part of our calendar once a semester. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. We we you know, we're Lake Forest. We we form a tradition and then we break it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's what we're free to do. But thank th- Harrison, thank you. You and Tracy and Andrew and Jeff and Aaron Maynard uh, and Trey really put together something uh, that was beautiful. I, I was yeah. out of town at some conferences that I'm, I'm a part of, and so all I did was show up and, and pray a little bit. Thank you for your work on that. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm <clears throat> glad to be a part of such a great team and get to serve with a lot of awesome people, so it's it's a joy. Um, well, hey, we, we have one more week uh, coming up. Uh, actually, well, two as of, as of uh, no, we have one. Last one, one of week our of Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit series. series. That's correct. And then uh, Mike, can you give me a, a sneak preview yes. of where we are headed mm-hmm. after the Holy Spirit series here in October? Yeah, we're gonna uh, um, do a series that's gonna last a number of weeks. It'll take us to Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe. Yeah, uh, and it's gonna be about grace, 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 grace. And and pod our our longtime podcast listeners have heard us pre forecast this all the way back in the winter and spring for a specific reason, uh, but it'll be grace. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the Reformation, the, the, those, all Protestants have at our root <laughs> a rediscovery of what is called the gospel of grace, that the root of our salvation, the root of our relationship with God, the root of our future with God, uh, and our life with Him all day, every day, is grace. Mm-hmm. The grace of God given to us through Jesus Christ, um, through his person, through his works, uh, and through him continuing to pour it out on us continuously through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives uh, and in our world. And so th- this series will be on grace. It's titled Grace dot 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 still, or maybe not the dot dot dot. I don't know. I'm not in charge of that. <laughs> uh, grace still. And the reason for that is, again, most of you will know this. It will remember me saying it. Um, this was my first sermon series that, with which we founded the church mm-hmm. in 1998. And so at our 25th birthday, which we will celebrate on October 22nd, uh, and everyone's going to be here making the 100,000 meals on Saturday the 21st. On, you sign up for a shift, and, and all Lake Forest people, unless your grandmother dies and you have to go to a funeral, uh, we'll be here to worship on Sunday morning, October twenty right. second. That's right. Um, uh, but we were founded on a, a sermon series about the grace of Jesus. Uh, what is it, and then applying it to different areas of life, including marriage and parenting, and etc. So I'm I'm excited about that. The family of churches will all do this series. They may call it something a little bit different. Um, but it, it reminds me today, so I'm looking forward to it, and, and actually, Harrison, I'm, I'm carrying around, the, the places I've been the last two weeks, I've been carrying around this green file folder that has my first sermon on grace on, in October of 1998. How was that sermon? Pretty good? 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to judge because yeah. what I may do on Sunday, October 15th, I may like literally re-preach that sermon. Hmm. I mean, I've gotten a little better uh, and, uh, and dude, it must have lasted an hour and a half. <laughs> I'm so sorry uh, to those of you still around, but yeah. um, I, but I think just for the sake of, I, I don't want to do it in a nostalgic way. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's what I'm playing around with. You guys can pray for me to have wisdom for how to, how to interact with that message. Um, but the, the message is the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I, the question that I asked in that first sermon on grace was, um, who am I to God? Uh, so we'll, I'll be doing some form of that on the 15th of October. So out of all the, out of all the, um, things as a 25 years younger, Mike Moses, you could have launched Lake Forest church with, um, what, what drew you Mike to, to setting that as the standard right out of the gate that we are going to be a, a church that, uh, talks about and understands grace. Well, well, above any of the other things you could have done. Harrison, this even gets to the question of why are church, new churches planted? Um, I, uh, because this was a specific moment in, in time in the North American church, the evangelical church specifically. I, I use that word for us theologically, not politically mm-hmm. or culturally. Uh, I think that's playing around here. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, but that's the stream that I was in and our denomination is in. Um, and so in the in the mid to late nineties, my my critique every new church it has a positivity to it. Oh, God's given us this positive vision, grace, 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 and for people who've given up on church. But that is an implicit, if not explicit, critique of the state of the church as it exists. Uh, that, and certainly for me. I don't see that many Bible teach in 1998. This would have been me, I, and I was probably a, little, a lot angsty about it. I don't see too many Christ-centered Bible teaching, quote unquote, evangelical churches that have a real heart for for m- making it a winsome worshiping community that's about worship and evangelism at the same time, where an unchurched person really feels. Uh, included, planned for, and welcome. They don't have to hide the fact they don't know the Bible very well, for example, mm-hmm. right? We hear that a lot in our membership classes down now, twenty five, even 25 years later. Wow, I felt like it was okay here that I didn't know everything. So that, that and um, so it was all, I also, me and, and, and really a fresh generation of Gen X young pastors uh, setting out in the, in the late nineties, we were in our twenty late twenties and ready to, to take a mantle of leadership, I would say, uh, behind the baby boomer generation of church leaders in North America. And, and another one of those critiques was that, um, discipleship and evangelism had had more of a flavor of, uh, head knowledge based Christianity, uh, and or external conformity to rules and even subcultural stuff that's not even biblical. And I and my uh, ilk (laughs) uh, wanted to be sure that we're holding up the gospel of grace. And and I, and I, 
I probably even thought as big about it as this is the kernel of the Reformation. This is why we are Protestant for hundred, five hundred years, and let's let's shine any uh, accretions that are covering over the grace that's at the heart of the gospel. That's the main story. Um, uh, and if 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 there if the way we've been doing this. Um, uh, distorts that or in any way means that outsiders can't see oh it's all a gift I don't have to come in and clean myself up first I don't have to do everything perfect to stay in and to grow in this grace etc cetera, etc cetera. I, I won't try to do a whole theology of grace here yep. but you get what I'm saying so so any new church when, when a new church starts today in our town, it is an implicit, if not explicit, critique of us and what we do and how we're doing it in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. It's a fresh vision of how to be a Christ-centered community of believers growing as disciples and living on mission at its best. So all that to say, that that's a good question. That's why we started, and that and and why and that's why in every generation new baby churches need to be birthed. In, in places where there's new populations, uh, like a, a new subpopulation, like the, the predominantly Spanish-speaking immigrant community in Huntersville, well, that needs a, a church that has a fresh vision for them, speci- for that culture. In a place like Huntersville and Lake Norman, where and all of much of Charlotte, where there's new popu- new people moving in like crazy, well, there's a need for new churches that fit the cutting edge of that those little micro cultures mm-hmm. and so for example as we were planning this church Harrison uh, Huntersville got on the cover of some magazine of dem- demographics and it was number one reloville in America because and it fits some statistics of the top place where people who move from major metropolitan areas to major metropolitan areas around the country being moved by big companies, this was like the epicenter of that. We were representative of it. And what that meant was we are going to be a church that emphasizes um, having people in community because no, most people are not near their family. Hmm. They're disrooted, derooted, unrooted. Yep. And so the model that, of ministry that we have down to today reflects th- that a new church with an emphasis not on Sunday school classes where you saw people adult classes on Sunday morning in a formal environment, but home-based groups in particular where the emphasis is not Wednesday night church, not Sunday night church. It's really, I hope it's God's will, but our will for every disciple is that you're in community, you belong somewhere. That's rooted in in the culture that we planted. That's why new churches need to be planted that are culturally intelligent uh, and sensitive. The U City Church is doing that in their own way, for example. And so we've been a part of we. So since the Apostle Paul and Barnabas planted the first church, the church at Antioch sent them out specifically to start churches around the Mediterranean basin, and that's what they did. And it's been happening for two thousand years. That's how the gospel spreads. That's how it relights a fire in existing Christian communities, right? That this uh, uh, and there's just a, simply a need based on population. So we so we planted in 1998 because Forest Hill Church, our our mommy church, uh, had a vision 
they were growing on their South Park campus there in South Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know what? Before we build our next big worship center, we feel like to be legitimate uh, as a missional church, we should also plant other churches, not just on our campus. So we, we were the first one. Then we formed together a church planting, I don't know what we called it, church planting uh, team that now was a few leaders at Forest Hill Church, including those people who hired me and had the vision for church planting, and me and a couple, particularly Rusty Andrews, one of our founding elders. Uh, I think he was the earliest who shared with me. We were on that team with Forest Hill, mm-hmm. and we were like, let's do it again. Look at what God's doing at Lake Forest Church in Huntersville. That's awesome. Let's do it again. And so their pastor of their Saturday night service, a young guy, young Gen X guy named Todd, he stepped up and he put his hand up. Well, I feel called to, to plant a predominantly young adult uh, church serving this new young adult communities moving into Uptown. So they planted a cool people church <laughs> uh, called Warehouse 242. And if you've never heard of Warehouse 242, they still exist in the center city. You could Google them. They're a daughter church of ours. We co-planted them. Uh, Forest Hill paid most of the money because we were a baby church, and I did all the coaching hmm. uh, and the hiring of, of him. They're a great church today, and we remain friends with them. Um, they've leaned into us through the years. We're kind of like a big brother church to them, and they've they've gone through some really hard ups and downs and leaned into me and our elders for coaching, and that's been beautiful. Um, then we're like, let's do it again. Look what God's doing at Lake Forest and Warehouse 242. People are coming to faith like crazy. And so we advertised for another church planter for somewhere in the other South Charlotte area. We hired uh, a guy named Jeff, and he planted what at first was South Forest Church. He was sticking with the Lake Forest, yeah. the Forest Hill, South Forest. They later changed their name to Threshold Church, which within our staff, senior staff, we have a joke whenever anybody says Threshold Church, we say, bless you. <laughs> um, so we kind of like to make fun of people. Um, that church is really healthy now, Threshold Church. They finally built They built their, their way South Charlotte. Harrison, when they finally built a building uh, a few, just a few years ago, they are so artsy. They imported, they, they had a barn de- uh, taken apart in Wisconsin, shipped it here, and they built their worship center around the infrastructure and the feel of a barn from Wisconsin. It's crazy cool. So look up Threshold awesome. Church online. That's our baby church. That's another one of our little sisters. That's so cool. When I first moved to Charlotte, we lived in South Charlotte. The first church I worked at was in Matthews, and I knew the Threshold folks. I'm not sure before right now I ever realized I made that connection. So that's Seriously. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's awesome. So they're still, Warehouse 242 and mm. Threshold are in our denomination. I was just with their pastors and elders at a... One of my meetings so cool. was in Black Mountain last weekend, a regional EPC meeting. Uh, and furthermore, um, bunch of our, a bunch of our elders and Michael Flake, uh, the Story Hill Church pastor, were there and installed their brand new senior pastor. Their church planning pastor stayed there for 20 years and recently retired. Gabe Swing was just installed as their new senior pastor. Gabe was our first youth pastor yep. here for Lake Forest Church. And then he's been a mission partner through the Bahamas Youth Network for years. And, but he and Jan are called back to the States, and he's pastor there, and our churches are becoming more kin. So we did all those churches and as the church plant multiplication team of Lake Forest and Forest Hill Church. Then Forest Hill went a different direction, and they, start, they felt called to start launching video campuses and not church plants. 
So they went their own way, and that's what they did, and God's really blessed that. Uh, uh, um, I think at this point they maybe have the same number of those as we have daughter churches. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, and that's when we were building our first building here the first stage of our campus, first phase. And so we took our eye off the church multiplication ball for a while. I coached a lot of church planters in and out of our denomination during those years, but we didn't start any. So there's a lot of churches that are kin to us mm-hmm. all over, uh, uh, but we didn't start any daughter churches. We picked it back up in 2010 during our Love 10 campaign. Part of the money was not just to do phase two of our campus, but to fund our first church plant now that's just by uh, we formed our own church planting team of some pastors and elders and the first one of course was lake forest davidson that now is story hill church they they are not in the family of churches any longer but they are our daughter church mm-hmm. and um michael they we remain very friendly with them uh they sent a bunch of people anyway we remain friendly with them they're they're building their first building on south main street davidson about to, uh, I think they already broke ground. Uh, and then, of course, it's well known in 2014, we planted Lake Forest Westlake over in Denver because we had a lot of people driving from there. That Both of those two churches, by the way, now on big Sundays worship more than 1,000 people. Story Hill in Davidson and Westlake in Denver, which is remarkable to me. Uh, that says something about just the DNA of our church, but also about the... the our, we we have a little bit of a missional key to the North Charlotte Lake Norman culture in a in a Holy Spirit way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Does that is that a good way to say that? That makes a lot of sense. And yeah. so, therefore, we're going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Like if if God is <clears throat> being that fruitful through our efforts, then we shouldn't stop. <laughs> um, and then Lake Forest Elbow and Samaritano, Lake Forest U City have started. You all are very familiar with that. And we're, uh, I'll be announcing in, on, on our uh, 25th anniversary service on October 22nd, I will be uh, revealing our next church plant location. And we are actively searching for the church planting part, pastor right now. I think one of the cool things, just reflecting back to those days, Mike, is I can't even imagine. I, I'm sure it'd be hard to say in your wildest dreams could you imagine because I know you're your vision for some of this stuff has probably been huge, or maybe it, it hasn't, but it's just cool to me sitting here. We were looking the other day, Mike, reflecting back on 25 years of Lake Forest. I saw pictures of this this site of this campus as uh, a sign uh-huh. a sign with 8519 next to it and said the future home of Oh, Lake yeah. Forest Community yeah, Church, yeah. or if it was Lake, I can't remember what, if it was Lake Forest at that time, commun- just church. But to think now, just it's cool recapping yeah. all that. That yeah. n- we are here. We have Westlake that has a permanent location in Denver as like their flag in the ground of yeah. like we're not going anywhere. And and since doing that, their <laughs> their stability and growth yeah. of their church has been insane. Story Hill daughter church working on putting putting down their flag in the ground in Davidson mm-hmm. of having their own space and just the the uh, it's just cool seeing no. the the you've talked before about you really are getting into the cool sweet spot when you have churches planting churches planting churches because yes. now this is all started with 
uh, a group up here at the top, and this just turns into this cascade of this of this work of God pouring out it's, all around our it's city. It's a gospel movement. It needs to be done all over our country. I, most of my denominational work these days, Harrison, uh, next week, um, I'm asked to consult with medium and large-sized churches, their pastors and elders, on how to become a multiplying church. So next week, actually, I don't know. think you knew this, uh, I'll be in an Airbnb up on the side of a mountain in Colorado Springs, and the denomination has invited, uh, and there'll be a group of, I think I just saw the list, 12 pastors who are leaders of medium to large-sized churches or networks, like a, a, a regional network. And, to, and me and, and my partner pastor in Memphis at the largest church in our denomination, a man named Rufus Smith, he and I will be co-leading this cohort. Uh, and it'll be, it's basically a workshop. Like at the end of two days, they're going to have a full-on plan of how to be a multiplying. And you're, I never imagined being a multiplying hmm. church. I'd, I could envision, you know, God might enable us to reach more than 100 people or so. That might happen. Um, I'd experienced growth in other ministry contexts before I came and here. I never once had an idea of starting other churches, of God making us, in essence, an apostolic congregation. So we, our leadership n- now clearly has an apostolic gift. That just means you, you start more. Um, and that's beautiful. I love that. Uh, and I, I will be happy when I feel like our church, so now our church multiplication apparatus is the family of churches. It's as owned by all of the churches as it is Huntersville and each of their pastors. Aaron Gibson takes a strong role in that. Um, but we're getting the apparatus so that it's, uh, if you if you take the flywheel con- uh, illustration from the, the organization building book, Good to Great, the flywheel is is almost complete of all the processes to uh, be a continuously multiplying church. Uh, The funding is there. Now, it's just 3% of all of our churches goes into a big pile, and as soon as it's a big enough pile, we start the next church. Mm -hmm. And that's getting pretty... uh, uh, That's really productive now with our churches being the size they are. So uh, I I look forward to that just being a part of the identity of Lake Forest Church that outlives me certainly uh, because it's it's a it's a great commission vision it's a God, it's how the great commission happens and has happened through history and I'm I'm just so pleased that the Holy Spirit knew more than I did of what our future would be uh, mm-hmm. and and this is it I consider this one of the founding verses we claimed I'm going to mentioned them in my sermon on the 22nd was uh we pray to him ephesians chapter one we pray to him who can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine this is the immeasurably more part that i could ask or imagine and it's beautiful Hmm. how how important mike because i feel like this is such a foundational thing you think so much about church planting to to have to have a church planted with a uh a vision of being missional. You, we've built a lot of what we do here around the idea of one more person. The church I started at down in, in Matthews, we, we talked about the empty chair. Who's going to fill mm-hmm. the empty chair next to you? How important is it having that mindset uh, of being a brand new baby church to right out of the gate just go like, hey, we're going to make this about beyond just those of us who are in this room right now? It's essential if we 
don't want to b- follow the pathway of Western Europe spiritually, which is um, thoroughly post-Christian. Mm-hmm. It, creative, Christ-centered, culturally intelligent churches that are grace-centered and welcoming to those who don't yet know Jesus must proliferate around this country. Um, if you want to go, for those few of you who are like, I want more of this, um, Tim Keller wrote a white paper called Why Plant Churches. Uh, it's, it's, easy, it's free on the internet. It's just like five pages. And at the end of it, he shows uh, how America was very unchurched uh, in the Revolutionary War era, extremely, uh, much less churched than today. That's a little-known fact. Um, the denominations sent out church planters like wildfire. They spread like wildfire in the mid-1800s. And it was because of the rate of church planting, the rate of churches per thousand population, as that as the number of churches per thousand population grew, so did the Christian percent of our population, hmm. which reached its peak in the first decade or so of the 1900s. Then denominations became protective. And First Methodist, First Baptist, First Presbyterian, all of them were like, hey— we're a big old church right in the center of town. We don't need new ones anymore. And that dynamic actually happened through the middle of the 20th century. Mm. And as that happened, the percentage of churched people, Christian people in our country, uh, that decline began and has gotten to where it is today. Mm. We are just now, uh, in the last 10 years, we've reached a point with the church planning movement among people like us. We've just reached the point where, guess what? Um, the number of new churches started annually in the U.S. now does equal those closing. Mm-hmm. For all of my early ministry years, the, it was a dismal statistic. More churches closing per year than opening. We're now at that point, but we're not at a tipping point yet of enough new churches being started uh, versus those being closed to seriously impact the percent of our population who... Uh, are reached in a micro way in their own neighborhood with a church that fits their little subculture. So that's animates me. Uh, I teach that. You can look up Tim Keller's paper, Why Plant Churches, and that's why we're going to keep doing this. And it, it's a must. It's an ought. It, it, uh, it is exactly what Paul and the apostles did. They heard Jesus give the Great Commission. They did not go out and go, oh, he meant for us to do crusades. With a bunch of people in a stadium, and maybe some of them come to Jesus, and then they who knows what they do afterward. It wasn't, hey, go start. What they, they, what they actually did, they went and they started churches mm-hmm. <laughs> all over. So that's what we're doing, and that's what I care about. I, I've been asked to start a new doctoral program for multiplying church leaders out of Gordon-Comwell. I'm working on that with another, with the church planning leader of the Anglican church in North America denomination. He and I are we're collaborating on it. That's really fun to be with somebody with a very different church tradition, but we share, uh, we're two denominations that share a burden for church multiplication. So I, I hope that now, week in, week out, our members, our ministry partners here care about solid Bible teaching, <laughs> uh, worship, music that that opens up us up to the environment of meeting with the Holy Spirit 
teaching our children the faith, our teenagers, reaching on being able to bring in our unchurched friends, and a church that really emphasizes going on mission, that this is for us to give away to others and serve the poor and those who don't know Jesus. That's what we care about as ministry partners, but I hope for you, our podcast listeners, you're, you're extra leaned in as ministry partners at Lake Forest. I hope you find pride. I hope you find biblical satisfaction that when you give and participate at Lake Forest, this is part of your own legacy as well. Um, it's not something every ministry partner is doing all day, every day, but I hope you find real joy in this identity of who we are as a church. And we're looking forward to the next 25 years of what God does at Lake Forest and beyond and down the chain to churches, planting churches, planting churches. It's awesome. Heck yeah. Yep. <laughs> Wonderful. Hey, well, hey, we uh, thank you all for joining us again on the Ask LC podcast. Mike and I love sitting down and getting to share this time with you all every week. We'll see you back next time. Have a great one. Bye.